for the word this morning. Praise the Lord. And if you would then, open your Bibles or turn on your devices and punch in Philippians 3, 10 through 12. Philippians 3, 10 through 12. And while you're doing that, let me just mention that Kathy and I conduct a Bible study here on Wednesday mornings from 10 to 11 o'clock. And um, we're presently in the book of Philippians. And uh, it's great. We have a wonderful time. And you're invited, if you're available on Wednesday mornings at 10, to be with us. That would be terrific. And I believe you'd enjoy it, get a lot out of it. And then Wednesday night, not to forget, but we have come to the well, an hour of power in prayer and intercession right here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Praise the Lord. All right. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 10. Paul says, My aim is to know him, to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings, to be like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I had already attained this, that is, I've I've not already been perfected, but I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. The title of my message this morning is The Adult Prayer. Everyone say The Adult Prayer. The Bible leaves no doubt that maturing in Christ should be the primary aim of every Christian. You look at the phrases that Paul uses. He talked about his relationship and the Lord. It's obviously a pursuit, and I think it was expressed almost a little like a prayer. My aim is to know, to experience, to be like, to attain, to strive. These words reveal an absolute, deliberate commitment to grow, develop, and transform into Christ-likeness. That was at the forefront of Paul's personal life, and it was at the forefront of what he taught and exhorted believers in the churches everywhere to pursue. When we're born again in Christ, we're called spiritual babes because we are babes. But then as we grow in our relationship with God, the goal is to grow up and not just grow old. Hallelujah. You know, growing old is not growing up. We know some people that have got decades on them, and I don't think they've taken one step since they were 15 years old. You know, beyond winning people to Jesus Christ, and I thank God for the testimonies about winning people to the Lord, but beyond winning people to Jesus Christ, the entire purpose of the church and of the ministry of the church is maturing believers in Christ's likeness. That really should be our pursuit and our goal. You know, the church has lots of goals today. And I think in the hour that we live in, I know just in the brief uh, almost 50 years that I've been uh, walking with the Lord, having come out of atheism and out of just complete blindness and secularism and uh, learning that there's such a thing as God meeting him as Jesus Christ, just watching the body of Christ over these almost, like I said, 50 years, I've, um, I've noticed how incredibly diverse the vision, ministries, and purposes of churches have become. The, uh, the mission policies, if you will, the mission statements of churches, have they become 
incredible. They're immense. There are more subdivisions of purposes and groups and all these different ministries. I'm not making a, a statement as to whether that's good or bad or whatever. It just is what it is. But, <clears throat> you know, in all of it, it's easy to lose sight of the one mission that the New Testament makes absolutely clear should be the priority of every church and ministry, and that is to bring, to call, to pull people, and sometimes to push them a little bit into maturity. Hallelujah. So this message this morning, the adult prayer, has to do with that goal. So if you, um, if, if, um, if, if you have an aversion to maturity... Uh, I apologize in advance if I step on any toes. It's not my intention. Uh, the Apostle Paul also wrote in the fourth chapter of Philippians, considered by many maturing Christians as probably one of the most um, in-depth of Paul's epistles. He talks about all these deep, profound subjects. And in the fourth chapter, he talks about the arrangement of the church and the fivefold ministries of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And basically, he lays out the purpose of the church. And I'm going to take this little segment in the fourth chapter. Listen to what Paul says is the purpose of the church. And God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the pastors, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay, so we're going to be talking about the work of the ministry here. For building up the body of Christ um, in, in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunningness, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. So when you read this, it's, it's really apparent that uh, he is saying the purpose of the church is to mature, to grow up. Once you've been birthed, you are going to get older because the days turn into weeks, turn into months. And if Christians do not give themselves to a program, to a discipline of spiritual maturity, as they get older, they will harden into immaturity rather than growing more Christ-like. How many of you know somebody? Maybe you see them in the mirror in the morning that uh, has had to deal with that issue. But notice that he says that um, the work of the ministry is building up the body of Christ. Well, when he says that uh, the mission is to build up the body of Christ, he's not talking about multiplication. He's talking about maturity. I love multiplication. Uh, I'm always grateful for the Lord adding to the church daily such as should be saved. But we should be giving ourselves to maturity and the Lord will help bless our efforts to multiply. And in fact, when he talks about us growing into mature manhood, it's the exact phrase he uses, he, he's not talking about being a man like the character you like to watch on TV or like your daddy was or, or some character somewhere else. He's talking specifically about the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So whether you're male or female, the goal of all of us is to grow into Christ-likeness, to grow in every way up into Him. And that should always be the goal of our life. 
Think with me for a moment about the great love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it talks all about if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm become nothing. And he talks about the contrast between um, just typical social behavior and things that are considered in society to be societal norms or accepted or even virtues in society, but in the body of Christ they fall short because he says if I have not agape, which is the love of God, then I'm just like a, a, a noisy gong and a banging cymbal. And so when you think about the great love chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this, but from this moment on, I'd like to challenge you, when you think about 1 Corinthians 13, don't only think of it as the chapter about love. I think it's a chapter about growing up. Because in the middle of the chapter, as he talks about love, he says, when I was a child, I acted childish. But as I grew up, I put away childishness. You see, the greatest enemy to agape, and when we look into the church, you can see it. The greatest enemy to the expression of the love of God is immaturity. Immaturity holds back stunts, blunts, and retards the growth and development of God's love. And so... He says, I put away childish behaviors so that I can grow in the love of Christ. Praise the Lord. So in our opening text, when we read Paul's statement in Philippians chapter 3, Paul expresses the desire to know Christ. And when he does, it's like a prayer. And it's not an immature prayer of a child. It's what I call an adult prayer. Now, some of the things that I'm going to say from this point forward are going to be challenging. I don't intend them to be provocative except to provoke your faith and to provoke your obedience in the Lord. Nobody grows up by simply going without discipline, never being challenged or never having to examine themselves and say, you know, this needs to be left behind and I need to be more like this. Isn't that really what the epistles are all about? Can you say amen? So when Paul is speaking in Philippians 3, he says, Oh, that I might take hold of the purpose for which Christ took hold of me. See, babies don't pray that way. I want to take hold of the bottle. They cry when they need to... Have mommy take hold of the diapers and change them. Um, and that's not a criticism. When you're a baby, that's perfectly appropriate. Amen. <laughs> so Paul's prayer is an adult prayer. But in the world of a baby or in the world of an immature Christian, prayer is usually dominated by the need to be directed. Babies need to be directed. They need everything done for them and done to them. And so in the, in the world of a baby Christian, that's what their prayers are like. And I give you an example of what I'm talking about. Oh, Lord, take hold of me. Oh, Lord, change me. Oh, Lord, uh, remove my desire for sin. Oh, Lord, give me the desire to do right things. Now, those are really, honestly, there's nothing condemning that could be said about those prayers. Some of the, they're very legit. And sometimes people that have been mature and saved a long time find themselves praying it. But basically, that old oh, take hold of me, they, we find ourselves um, 
stuck in patterns of carnality. Uh, take away my desire for sin. Do this for me. Change me. Transform me. Um, those are not inappropriate. But you know, God is trying to call us to a higher place. He's trying to uh, call us to a place where we grow up into the full stature of Christ. My guess is Jesus probably didn't pray like that Amen. in his prayers. So, but the adult Christian has, as, as it says in 1 Corinthians 13, has put away childish things. So they're not, their prayer life is not dominated by, oh Lord, take all this stuff from me, because they've already resolved, I'm done with this. And in the power of God's grace, they've put it away. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? And so their prayer isn't a plea to be directed to do the right thing, but it's a resolve to take hold of God's purpose in their life. Amen. And that's what you hear Paul saying. Oh, that I might take hold of the purpose for which Jesus took hold of me. The very process of spiritual maturity, it produces the transforming effect of uh, the focus on self for personal fulfillment being transformed to sacrificial service for the Father's glory. There's a big difference when we're praying, oh God, fulfill me, fulfill my need, grant me this and grant me that. Again, they may not be inappropriate requests for God to give us all these things. But there is a more mature, higher prayer that God's trying to bring us to. And that is the prayer of commitment and resolve to lay one's life down in sacrificial service, not for personal fulfillment, but for the Father's glory. Come on. Hallelujah. We don't hear these things said often enough in church. We are throwing the bait out in the water today, trying everything to draw people in. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. You know, uh, if you have this need, Jesus has this for you. And if, if, if you require this, God can do this for you. All those things bring people. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But you know, I remember even as a babe in Christ, the things that motivated me more than anything else were the Marine Corps kind of uh, recruiting uh, um, appeal. Maybe you can be one of us. I, I loved that. That draw, that attracted me. It spoke to something in me to want to throw the flimsy foolishness of self aside, get up and run with the big dogs. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. And so God is trying to call us into service. But you can't get there and be an immature Christian at the same time. Amen. You have to put away childish things if you're going to sacrifice for the Father's glory. Give you another idea of what I'm talking about, which was expressed in that, that love chapter. The baby Christian needs to feel love, and that dominates their prayer time. But the adult Christian needs to give love, and that dominates their. Oh Lord, direct me so that I might lay my life down for somebody else. Hallelujah. There's a transformation, come on, that takes place in, in our vision when we even enter the prayer room to go into devotion and prayer with God. What is drawing us? When's the last time you went to God and said, how can I lay my life down to see Jesus glorified? Hallelujah. The author of the book of Hebrews makes this appeal 
for more mature Christians. When he writes in the fifth chapter, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need somebody to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature. Listen to this. He's going to define what a mature person is as opposed to a baby. The mature person, through training, has the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. I love the King James says, the mature Christian, through exercising, eating the truth of God's word, what is right, what is wrong, have had their senses tuned to discern good and evil. The baby can't figure out when they're being misled or deceived or tempted, and so they're crying constantly, change my diaper, warm my milk, because they can't figure out if something's good or not good. That's why you have to put them in a crib with bars, or, or you have to do some spe take special measures to hem them in and protect them. But the, the anticipation is that as they begin to grow hair, they're not still uh, you know, on their legs and under their arms and everything. They're not still in that crib. Uh, and you're having to expand the crib. The idea is that they are taking responsibility for themselves. Hallelujah. And now they're looking to go out and serve. As we grow older, we want to grow better. As we grow older, hallelujah, we want to grow up, not just get old. Can you say amen? Amen. You see, baby Christians ever bouncing in and out of obedience are usually pleading with God to take control of their fidgeting souls. You notice little children, they can't, they're fidget, they can't sit still, they're just, what happened? What if you went to a bank and you applied for a loan and the bank vice president is sitting there, he's got his nervous clay or ball on his desk, you're thinking, this guy's a nutcase. I don't know if I want to ask this person for a note. I mean, they, they, got a, they got a, what do you call them, a rescue dog? They got a rescue dog. Um, please don't be offended. I, I know I'm starting to tread on. But they got the rescue dog over here. They got the Play-Doh over here. They got the special music with the little bubbles going up and down to keep them calm, keep them from losing their mind. Hey, look it. I don't need to partner. I need, show me an adult. Come on, somebody. Show me somebody's grown up a little bit. If I'm going to put my life in, in the trenches in somebody's hand, I need, to put my, 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 I need to partner with somebody that's taken some control of their life. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Okay, so I, I back off a little bit. I don't want to risk losing anybody. But I've got a feeling this is a crowd that likes the idea of maturing. See, but the very senses of the adult Christian have been trained to discern between what is good and what is evil. And you know what? They choose what is good. They're always wanting to better themselves. Think about how old you are right now. Some of you just think about your age. And ask yourself the question, have I removed myself from the classroom? When's the last time I ever really dealt with my need to grow up or to change or to mature? When's the last time I ever thought that I had something in me that was immature that needed to be circumcised, that needed to be uh, uh, removed or dealt with? It's dangerous 
When long periods of time, especially as a Christian, have gone by and there's no conviction. There's no, there's no sense of I need to get self out of the way. Can you say amen? You see, the ministry of the gospel depends on adult Christians. That's why, that's why the author of Hebrews says, you know, by now you should be teachers. Look, the Bible expresses in anticipation that every person who's saved grows up and becomes a teacher. Listen to me. Every Christian, that doesn't mean everyone's in the pulpit teaching Bible studies, but it means that in your circle of influence, you're leading people after all. You're teaching people. You're not the one who always has to have people run to your house, hold your hand, and uh, talk you off the ledge. Amen. But you're, you're, you're out there looking for who can I encourage? Who can I lift, lift up? And yes, do you have problems? Yes, but you know, a mature believer, they know how to get it on the fly. You know what I'm saying? The mature believer, as they're running this race, as they're serving the Lord, ministering to others, they're taking that correction and that adjustment as they go. Praise the Lord. Um, Christians are pencils. You can see I have a pencil in my hand. If you, if you can't see that well, imagine in your mind, for most of us have used these at one time in our life. Christians are pencils. And let me tell you why you're a pencil. Because like the lead contained in the wood of the pencil, so the earthly casing of self conceals Jesus in you. But it's the lead not the wood that's capable of expressing God's word. It's Christ in you that's got a point. Can you say amen? You see, the mature Christian knows that the lead is what makes them useful. The baby Christian does not want to go through the sharpening. The baby Christian wants, does not want to be shortened. They want, it, they want the glory of being used, but they don't want the sharpening process that makes them useful. Everyone wants the glory of being used, but they don't want to go through the process of what it means to actually be useful. The mature Christian knows that the lead is where it's at. It's what makes them useful. You see, a pencil without lead is just a stick. And you can't write with a stick. Revealing the lead requires cutting away the wooden casing of self. Without sacrificing self, the pencil is dull and, pardon me, it's pointless. Without sacrificing self in the sharpener, to bring out that lead, your life is pointless. It really is. This is why Paul was so concerned when he wrote to the Corinthians saying, one day your life is going to be brought before God. Is there a point? This pencil doesn't have a point. Oh, they're pristine. They're brand new. But I can't use this. This pencil's a little shorter. I was thinking of bringing a stack of little bitty stubby ones that have all been, 
you know, really mature pencils. Glory to God. But you can imagine it in your mind. Can you say amen? Amen. It's the strong habit in the self-life of baby Christians that causes them to preserve the wood of their life, the self-life, at all costs. They scream, protest when they see themselves being jammed into the pencil sharpener. They want their life to have a point, but they don't want the process to bring that point out. Can you say amen? Was it not Jesus that said, if any man will come after me, let him do what? Get in the sharpener. Deny himself. Take up his cross. What's the cross? It is the sharpening tool that cuts away the wood of self-life to reveal Jesus. If anyone come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. You know, when a baby Christian comes along, they begin following Jesus. But babies, we don't go into the nursery when we need workers to help us do the real work. We don't go into the nursery to get them. We go where? We go into the classroom where the mature are growing and developing and training. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And so Jesus didn't say this when he said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Jesus didn't say it to suppress us. Jesus said it to reveal us, to reveal the Christ in us. We don't take up our cross because God wants to eliminate or suppress, but because God wants to truly bring glory through your life. John the Baptist made certain that the point to his life was made manifest. And all the world saw it because he knew what it took to fulfill his destiny. And he said himself, I must decrease and he must increase. I welcome the sharpener. John lived in the sharpener. You know, people that God use a lot, if, he, if it is God that's really using them, they go through a lot of sharpening. Because the more God uses you, the more that lead gets left on the pages of other people's lives. And so there's a bluntness, a dullness, a roundness. Sometimes you even break a point. And we have to go back into the sharpener to bring Jesus out. Can you say amen? Believe me, there's enough Jesus in you to outlast the wood. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Can you say praise the Lord? I must become small if I want people's lives to be written and have God's writing on them. I have to be willing to be reduced. You know, the pencils that are small and tiny, they're the ones that have been used a lot. Glory to God. When I get to the end of my life, I don't want to look like this. When I get to the end of my life, I want to look like the eraser with about a millimeter or two of lead sticking out of the last bit of wooden casing left on that thing. Can you say praise the Lord? You know, the world and its devil can only take hold of the childish and uncircumcised life of self. 
The devil's always trying. But when you hear yourself or you hear somebody saying, I'm always, the devil's always messing with me. The devil's always, you know, I would have been there, but the devil was messing with me. Oh, I, I would have been part of what was going on, but the devil was messing with me. How the devil, how's the devil always getting to you? I know he's trying. He never left Jesus, but for just a moment, and then he was right back nipping at his heels. But you don't see Jesus walking along, going from Capernaum and Galilee to Judea, going, oh man, the devil's really been hindering me. I, I would have been able to heal more people, but the devil just got on my nerves. Uh, you know, the devil was attacking constantly. He was just swatting them away. You know, praise, there, was, there wasn't the struggle. That sometimes you hear Christians talk about, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know, I, it's the devil. But let me say to you something, and this is one of the things you're going to have to, you're going to have to chew on this and think about it. Satan cannot take hold of anything but the childish and immature part of your life. That's what he gets a hold of. That's what exposes you to him. That's the part of you that he touches. That's the part of you he gets a hold of. How is it that that depression, how is it that that heaviness, how is it that the, the anger and everything was able to get on you? Where did that come from? Because something in you exposed itself and the devil was able to touch you. Jesus said at the end of the gospel, the prince of this world comes and he has nothing in me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But I want to say to you this morning, if you think about it, every embarrassing failure in ministry, every time you've seen some great man of God or some pastor, some Christian leader fall publicly and fall hard into some immoral thing or some terrible situation, um, Every time one of those embarrassing failures in the church takes place and the world witnesses it, I can tell you exactly what the formula, what it is. I can tell you exactly what happened without even having to hear the details of the story because it's the same formula. It's the same thing every single time. What it is, is it's a mature Christian who stops the sharpening process. They stop submitting themselves to the sharpener. They get tired of it, and they begin to lose their point. They begin to get dull, and they retreat back into self-fulfillment. They become like this, and they become childish. Pastors, church leaders, Christian leaders, people who have been saved a long time, they revert and become immature and the minute you begin to become immature and active, and what is immaturity if it isn't focus on self? Amen. When it comes right down to it, immaturity is nothing more than living for self and the worst qualities of self. Nobody is ever accused of being immature who's acting Christ-like, walking in the fruits of the Spirit. Got kind of quiet in here. I don't know. Everybody was shouting and praising God a little while ago. Don't know what happened. Praise the Lord. I don't know. I hear a lot of things in this message that uh, would have me on my feet shouting, ouch, but thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. But you know, one self is surrendered in obedience to the cross, the point emerges. Hallelujah. And then 
Satan cannot dominate the adult Christian with a point. If you're the pencil with a sharpened point, Satan cannot handle you because you're in the hands of God. Any Christian with a sharp point is being used of God. Trust me. And the devil can't touch you. He can threaten, but he can't handle you. Glory to God. So here's our altar call this morning. I want to go back to 1 Corinthians 13. Thinking about Paul's prayer, Oh, that I might take hold of the purpose for which Jesus took hold of me. Thinking about that, I want to go back to the, the exhortation about agape and, and letting love truly grow and develop in our lives. And Paul saying, when I was a child, I put away the foolish and childish things so that I could become a man of love, so that I could grow in love, so that I wouldn't be annoying to people. People might not like everything I say, but I wouldn't be an irritation because I was carnal. I might be challenging, but I'm loving. You see, God wants us to walk in love. And my prayer today, and I believe our prayer today, ought to be, oh, that agape. Oh, that the maturing love of God would truly win over our hearts. And so that we would gladly put away childish things so that the point of the gospel could be clearly seen in our life. Clearly seen in our life. It's so simple. And the Lord will do it for the mind that is made up to grow up. Hallelujah. How many today, let's stand together, could say, I want to pray the adult prayer. I want to pray the adult prayer. Uh, let me take it a step farther. How many of you could say today, I need to pray the adult prayer. I need to go from being a child to being an adult. And you know, there's people that have been saved decades that still need to make the decision to pray the adult prayer.